It's 7 a.m. and I'm walking through the garden orchard here at Filoli. The air is quite chilly. <laughs> the ground's still covered with frost. I'm crackling every step I take. When I drove down from San Francisco this morning, there was fog still up by the Santa Cruz Mountains and you could see the little tendrils of it coming down the valleys. So this part of the garden is a meadow at this time of year. You've got these fruit trees dotted throughout tall grass in the summer. But it's now at the beginning of February that it is just magic. Around me are hundreds and hundreds of daffodils, poking their cheerful yellow faces up, bringing some sunshine to this cloudy morning. Some of them come from bulbs that are over a century old, and they've sprouted here year after year after year, in the same place since the Filoli estate was created. They are heralding the end of a wet winter and the beginning of a colorful spring. From Filoli in Woodside, California, I'm your host, Interpretation Manager Willa Brock, and this is our very first Morning in the Garden. Inspired by the way this garden orchard is evolving in front of our very eyes, today's theme is on the cusp. Let's talk about seasonal transitions in the garden and the beauty we can find in beginnings. To start, I'm walking down the curved path through the meadow to meet up with Jim Salyards, Philoli's Director of Horticulture. He's going to catch me up on what's going on right now in the garden and some memories of his own first spring at Philoli. Hi. <laughs> How are you? Jim's easy to spot. He's got a big beard and he's often wearing shorts even on the coldest of mornings. I asked him how many times he's seen the Philoli Garden wake up into spring. This will be my 29th year. I, I started in the spring of, of 1995. Wow, almost 30 years of springs. <laughs> what do you remember about your first spring at Philoli? I remember the first day weeding in the sunken garden. Mm. Back then, after, before 25, 30 years of warming temperatures, everything was still fairly dormant by early February. Was that the first time you'd ever been to Philoli? No, I had been here the spring before, uh, and... It was actually, to be honest, not the best visit. Mm. It was raining. Um, the The garden was kind of past spring peak. I didn't love it. It wasn't until I came back in the fall of 94. I was still finishing my thesis, and I, I thought I'd just go through the process. And, um, you know, it'd be a good experience for me to um, apply. They had me come for an informational interview. And I walked around the garden and saw the, the area and the work that I would be doing. And it was a beautiful fall day um, with fall color. And I wanted the job so bad after that. Hmm. When you think back to your many years and your many springs, your many beginnings, what are your biggest visual memories? Um, you know, there are lots of flashes, but... Um, because I did start out in the sunken garden, seeing the sunken garden with the tulips up. Oh, yes. In the early years, we used yellow tulips uh, exclusively in the sunken garden because there was the honey locust that Mrs. Roth planted. Mm -hmm. And that tree leaves out early in the spring with bright yellow flowers. And so mm. 
that visual of the yellow tree ahead of you and the yellow tulips uh, in the in the foreground, your eye would just kind of cast across the sunken garden and then look across mm. to the golden honey locust. Mm. It's so cool to hear about this scene, sunken garden scene, through your eyes because you know the work that goes into it. Someone like me who's not a gardener, sometimes I'll look at a view or a scene in a garden and not realize all the thought that was put into creating you know, the, the foreground, the middle ground of the view, and then even how it fits into the landscape. We'll just appreciate the yellow and not really know that it was deliberate. <laughs> What's your favorite seasonal transition? Is it winter into spring? Winter into spring is beautiful. I love fall into winter also, mm-hmm. when everything uh, gets cleaned up and the beds are actually empty. This garden, one of the things that is so magnificent about this garden is it has incredible bones. Um, the, the design and the structure of the different garden rooms with the boxwood hedges that define all the spaces is incredible. Mm. And then we will often have a good fall in terms of color and moving in from fall to to the cleanup of winter is really beautiful. But of course, winter into spring as the garden wakes up is amazing. It's a fan favorite. With transitions can also come a sense of loss as you're saying goodbye. Uh, do you ever feel that as the year goes on? Are there are there plants that you're sad to see go? I'm sad when the wisteria finish. Um, I'm sad when the tree peonies. Mm-hmm. I feel like I miss them because they can be so magnificent. I, I'll see one or two, and then the next thing I know, they're all done for the year. The tree peonies are up in kind of a corner where you almost miss them. Mm-hmm. You it's have to remember they're there. Yeah, it's a deliberate experience. You have to get yourself over there and stroll the bed to really uh, get them. What did you notice on your last garden walk that is on the cusp or about to bloom? kind of on the cusp of some of the earlier tulips this time of year and the flowering shrubs are starting to kick in there's a lot of camellias um, that are going crazy but we're we're kind of in uh, a bit of a holding pattern until the next level with wisteria and the tulip show in the garden i'm so excited what are the top things that your team is working on right now to prepare for spring (laughs) The most important thing for spring is weeding. Uh, As we get the winter rains and uh, it starts to warm up, if you don't stay on top of the weeds, then the garden looks messy. It takes away from the displays. Grooming of the, the, the plants, making sure that there's space for the bulbs to come up is is important. But a lot of it is just watching and observing. Jim's got to make his way back to the head house. So I continue on my walk. As I round the corner past an Irish yew tree, the first thing I hear is the sound of clipping. I've stumbled across a group of Philoli horticulturalists pruning the fruit trees that lie in the path all the way up to the high place. They're up on ladders, laughing and chatting as they work. It's very satisfying. I'm Gia Nokan. I work in the production garden here at Filoli. I help take care of the vegetable garden, the cut flower garden, and the two orchards. Well, what is the project that you're working on right now, Gia? We started winter pruning our fruit trees. Currently, they're dormant, so it's the best time to come in and see the structure before they wake up from dormancy to push out their flower buds before pollinators get in and those flower buds turn into yummy, big fruit. Mm -hmm. 
We're here in a formal garden, so aesthetics is a thing, but here in the production garden, we're trying to marry aesthetics and also the production of fruit. We want as much fruit as we can to turn into product to share with our guests and with educational purposes. Mm. Most of our trees here are pretty old and historic, and so a lot of the structure, the scaffolding, is already set in place. It's really challenging, honestly, but it's also really fun to prune these trees because it is uh, the aesthetic is in place. Do you feel like you're following in the footsteps of the historic gardeners who are all here the time? Before? Yeah, I feel like um, uh, every time we approach. A fruit tree. We're seeing all of the decisions from years past, probably even decades past, because you could follow a branch of a tree down to the year prior's cuts mm. and then just continue down, That's trying so cool. to like assess or hypothesize, like, oh, what were they trying to do by like removing that branch or even keeping that branch? This one is a little. Gio wants to show me something, so she leads me down some stairs. Currently, we're at the bottom of the uh, ULA, where the spaliers are, um, just past the walled garden. Um, I remember I pruned this pear tree last winter. I cut it pretty hard because there was a major branch mm. um, growing towards the brick wall that had a ton of disease. Oh. And... Um, I wanted to cut that off so that the disease doesn't continue spreading. Was that this one over here? It was, it's in the way back. Oh, yeah. One of the big things we do whenever we're coming through to just prune in general is to cut out dead, dying, disease, uh, decaying, and disoriented branches. So the five Ds. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And once we do that, we come through, see if anything's growing inside towards the middle of the tree. Uh, anything that's shading out the middle because we want all that sunlight to come in and help with photosynthesis. Mm -hmm. All those sugars are developing towards uh, new growth. Um, but here I cut off a really big limb that was part of like the major structure of the tree. Um, and so I made that decision because hopefully you're taking a gamble of the tree response. And so this year I noticed a really nice big vegetative growth. And so I came in yesterday and I selected, I selected three branches mm -hmm. that can potentially replace that branch to hold fruit mm -hmm. later in the next coming years. So it's a gamble that you make and then you don't see it pay off until a year later. Exactly. We're making like really uh, uh, sound judgment, mm. but sometimes the tree just does respond differently right. than what you anticipated because maybe... There's only so much you can control. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, so it's it's like what they say, horticulture is an art and a science. Mm -hmm. marrying and together. you're quite the artist. I enjoy pruning in the morning uh, because we get the garden to ourselves. Mm. Uh, sometimes if this tree is like uh, supported enough, mm. we'll cr climb into the tree. Oh. And it's a great perspective to also be in the tree and look up and imagine if like, if I was uh, sunlight, am I actually coming down through the canopy of the tree um, enough so that, you know, you know, you could help with photosynthesis right. and fruit production. So you kind of got to become the tree. Yes, <laughs> yeah. So you love this time of year because it's quiet? It's kind of like taking the garden back <laughs> in a way. Um, uh, 
we, unlike in other parts of the U.S., because we have a year-long growing season, there really isn't any winter dormancy for us. So <laughs> no we're break. always, no break, <laughs> we're always constantly hustling. Um, but I feel like our my way of rest is working on these trees, mm. because then you kind of get into a groove. People are in their own heads, and we're silent. And then you can hear all the birds chirping, and then you have the daffodils just right next to you. So you're not chatting the whole time you're pruning. We're Everyone's chatting sometimes, okay. but then like there are like big chunks where we're just you just hear like snips, snips, mm-hmm. snips. Everybody's yeah, in the zone. That's Jackie Salas chiming in, Philoli's horticultural production manager. She popped around the corner from the walled garden just in time to join the conversation. You guys are here all the time. You're always in this in this garden. Like as it becomes February and the daffodils pop up, is there a part that you will walk in? kind of for pleasure like you detour to go into a certain part of the garden the garden orchard with the daffodils popping up right now especially in the morning Uh, Mm. we do or I like to do an area walk like maybe um, Mondays Fridays after a storm to see if there's Mm. any damage but also it's for my pleasure (laughs) to look at the daffodils and take pictures (laughs) I think my entire camera roll is pictures of the daffodils right now (laughs) Uh, the other highlight this time of year in that um, burst from winter into spring Mm. the little peak that you get of the the deciduous flowering shrubs starting so the quince and some of the early flowering apricots mm. um, really give you that glimpse into what spring's going to be like. And right. so that's another really like tantalizing little like um, experience for a gardener to see those um, buds swelling and opening. Because it's about to happen. Because then spring. show this morning, we've got one last segment called Garden Guides. We asked all you home gardeners and Philoli fans what questions you have for our horticultural experts, and I crisscrossed the estate to find the right person to answer each one. My first stop was with horticulturalist Joey Bennett. He's going to help me answer my number one most asked question about, you guessed it, the tulips. So hi. Joey is up on a ladder right now working on some pruning, but I'm going to stop him quickly. So we have a question from Tiffany. When is the tulips blooming season? The tulip blooming season typically tends to be around late April, early May. So when do you think is the best time to see the tulips? The best time to see the tulips is May because you might get some early roses. They'll definitely be full and they'll be completely spread out throughout the number beds. Sweet. Thank you so much, Joey. Next, I tracked down our formal garden manager, Haley O'Connor, to help me answer a couple more questions. So say it like... (laughs) We've got some tree work this morning, so many chainsaw sounds. Linda asks, what do you think of the concept of false spring? Are we having one? So I don't really think there are false seasons. Um, I think the concept of a false spring is an easy way... Uh, to sort of say, well, it was warm and then it got cold, um, which to me happens every year. So I really look at our last frost dates. For us, that's um, mid-March um, as as our true beginnings of spring, and I ignore everything else. Um, you will see that at Philoli, our tulips are starting to bloom. When we do have those hot spells, like we did two weeks ago, where it was 75 degrees in January, um, you see things emerge and bloom on shorter 
you know, they're just like stubby uh, tulips. So you'll see that with your bulbs. One of the things I like to remind gardeners of, though, is just to pay attention to your years. Um, you know, make notes of when things are happening so you can always look back at your records and say, oh, this is blooming early or this is blooming late. Mostly so you know if you need to cover something, um, expecting that we will get some of those late season frosts. Thank you, Haley. I'm going to ask you one more. This is from Janie B one on Instagram. And they ask, when was the Daphne planted at Philoli, and is it hard to grow in our home gardens? We walk and talk as Haley leads me into the walled garden. So we're in the, in the top of the wedding place, and I always think about the Daphne that's outside of the front doors of the house, but Haley has led me right over to the Daphne in the walled garden right up against the woodland. It's a little secret, very shady corner and it is smelling so good right now. Yeah, I brought you over here because it's really that beautiful, full, lemon-scented, mm. sweet Daphne smell, which is why I say, yes, 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 grow them, grow them, grow them. They are fickle. They're very hard to transplant. It's best, uh, you know, to plant them when they're small, get a one-gallon or smaller. In all of my years, I've never been able to successfully transplant a Daphne. Wow. So they are easy to grow. They want, um, you know, a shady spot. They'll still bloom in shade. They are somewhat drought tolerant once they're established. They don't like to have wet feet. So they can be, you know, they can be prone to root rot. I think of them as a hardy herb, something that's going to mm. give you 10 or 15 mm. years of beauty, mm. not as a 100-year-old shrub. Um, so do expect that. They have a, you know, they're... they're they're a pricey plant because they're difficult um, to propagate. So, you know, know that it's an investment and it's an investment maybe in, mm. if you're lucky, 20 years of that amazing scent. It's incredible. It's, it's amazing. One of my favorite things about spring. I know. So our uh, question asker asked us when the Daphne was planted at Filoli. Do you know? So I think most of the Daphnes that you see at Filoli were probably planted in the Roth slash National Trust era because they're not really long, long-lived herbs. Mm. Um, I don't think that we have any Daphnes that are maybe more than 20 years old. Um, and we don't have records of them being here um, in the born time, mm -hmm. but they were a very popular plant in the 1920s. So it wouldn't surprise me mm -hmm. if that was something mm -hmm. that was planted here. I love their little, uh, variegated leaves, the edges on the leaves that just gives it a little bit of definition and kind of whimsy. It does have that beautiful variegated leaf. That's one of the, um, probably most popular Daphne mm. odoratas in the in the nursery trade, so you see it a lot, mm. but there are hundreds. You heard it here, folks. Go get your winter Daphne for your own garden, but don't expect it to last for decades. <laughs> Do you have a question for our garden guides? DM us on Instagram, email learning at filoli.org, or check out the podcast page on our website. Thank you for spending this morning in the garden with me at Filoli. It was our very first episode, so if you enjoyed it, please subscribe and share with a friend. In two weeks, join us again as we wake up and wander among the tulips. Is there a better flower to help us explore our garden obsessions than the one that almost 500 years ago inspired a mania? Until then, find beauty in every little beginning as we in our gardens welcome in the spring. <laughs>